Well, hey, I want to say welcome again. If I haven't met you, my name is Jake Brower. Um, I feel like kind of a stranger here because if you didn't know, I've been gone for three months. Last week was my first, was my first week back um, from a three-month break. And so I'm like sort of just getting my feet back wet again. And I, it's just really, it's really good to see you. Last week I was, I felt really weird coming in. And so I felt weird the whole time. And today I feel a little more comfortable and it's good to see your faces again. Um, if you weren't here last week, we started a new series that's sort of like what did God do in my heart over the past three months and sort of like preparing me to come here, be back with you all, and sort of like set a pathway for our future as a church. And, and really one of the things that God revealed to me over the time that I was gone is the reality that, that he loves who we are as a community. And there's nothing like major that needs to change, but, he did, uh, but I did sense the reality that, that some focusing was necessary. So this series is called In Focus. And, and over the next few weeks, we're going to be really like digging deep into like the heartbeat of finding life, what we exist for, and, and why we exist for that, um, and fleshing some of that out in, in real life and what it looks like for us to move forward and lean deeper into what God has called us into because we don't want to play church here. We just are like totally opposed to ever be becoming about what we do. It's really about who we are. And so we started from like the very beginning. And, and last week I dove in talking about the kingdom of heaven. Um, Jesus talks about it all the way through the New Testament. He makes extreme statements and tells like interesting stories and, and, and draws illustrations to help us understand that there's one thing that matters more than anything else, and he calls it the kingdom. He, he says, Behold, the kingdom is like a merchant seeking fine pearls, and upon finding a pearl of great value, the merchant sold everything he had so he could purchase that pearl. And he's setting up this illustration for us. He's saying, hey, listen, of all the things that are going on, and there's lots of things that you could pursue in this world, they're not all bad. Some of them are really good. But there's one thing that's better than everything else, and it's the kingdom of heaven, which seems really weird. And for us, like, when we hear the word kingdom of heaven, we really think about a place and, like, a future thing, right? We anxiously await the kingdom of heaven. But what I believe is that God is actually telling us something totally different. The reality is that, that this world, on this earth, God has called us to live out the kingdom of heaven here. I made some pretty drastic statements about it last week. The kingdom of heaven is a space between, a moment in time where brokenness and suffering are swallowed up in pure love, grace, and compassion. It's this, it's this idea that we can actually bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. And it can be this restorative quality to a broken world. And we've been armed and equipped with the ability to do that. And not only that, but God has called us to be kingdom bearers in every situation. The kingdom is what happens when I look at brokenness in our world and live for its restoration instead of being content to just watch. And we got a lot of that going in our world right now. And it feels like every single week it piles and it mounts and, and it gets harder to understand what is actually going on. But ultimately the point uh, of our intro series last week was to help us understand the urgency of the kingdom. That if we don't get serious, if we don't get um, intentional about living out the kingdom that God placed us on the earth to live, then we're missing the point. And we looked at what it means to get creative about, about how we bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. We need to get clear, creative, and intentional about how we live out the kingdom here on earth. It's this strange concept at face value, but this morning I want to try to put like some skin on this concept of being kingdom bearers, shining the light of heaven into the darkness of our world, or like the way I said it last week, actually create like a window, a window into heaven, but right here. And I fully believe that, that, that that's what God wants for our lives. And there's this, there's this cool scene in, 
um, in the New Testament when, when Jesus is talking to his disciples and they're asking him questions. And, and one of the main things they're, they're trying to figure out is what, what does prayer look like? And, and Jesus makes this incredibly crazy statement. He says, pray like this. And, and in the prayer he says, um, pray that the kingdom of heaven would come to earth. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And I believe that's an invitation. When Jesus said those words, it was an invitation for us to value this life to value this earth, most importantly, to value the people that are on it, no matter who they are, no matter what walk of life, no matter what that brokenness is, and not with like, like charity or pity, but because they are simply valuable, because they are human beings. Um, to answer our question about the kingdom this morning, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 5, and it's this really like cool moment. It's actually kind of the first teaching moment that Jesus has while he's on earth. And so you can flip over to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 1 through 13. Um, but basically what this, what, what this passage is describing is the kingdom of heaven. It's sort of like a, a descriptive narrative of what the kingdom of heaven looks like. Jesus is coming and he's saying, here's what, I, here's what I believe the kingdom is. This is what I value. This is what's most important to me. And it becomes really clear right from the get-go that the kingdom of earth is not, the kingdom of heaven is not like earth. The kingdom of heaven is very, very different. That's going to be our truth this morning, and we're going to flesh that out in some, in some cool ways. The kingdom space looks past offenses. It looks past exterior images. It gets right to the heart of people and meets them there. Like I said before, the kingdom isn't a place. It is, but it's not here. It's that moment in time when we have an opportunity to speak life into other people, to be life givers, to be kingdom bearers. The kingdom of heaven manifests itself on earth in simple, unexpected, and underwhelming ways. The last become first. The poor are rich. The unimportant are honored. This is the kingdom of heaven. It's strange. It's shocking. It's unlike anything you and I have ever seen. The kingdom of heaven is not like earth. So let's dive into Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 1. It says this, One day, as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them. This is like a regular occurrence. For Jesus. Every once in a while, he pulls his guys in. Keep in mind, there's like hundreds and thousands of people, like kind of on the hillside, listening in, but he's really only talking to these 12 guys. And, and he lets other people listen in. So he, it's this very like relational, intimate moment. And he's talking to these 12 guys who he knew, they didn't know it yet, but he knew that he was going to empower them and sort of hand a baton off to him and essentially say, okay, I'm leaving and you guys are going to be me now. You're going to continue what I did. And so he's giving them a new value system. He's showing them something like that, that they've never heard before. And so he jumps in and he says this. He's talking about the kingdom. And I imagine them sitting there like, what in the world is he talking about? Because none of it sounds like anything they've ever heard before. It says this, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because, of, because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets 
were persecuted in the same way. You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp, then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine before all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. This passage is Jesus laying out a new set of values. And the crazy thing is the way he starts in. It doesn't make any sense. None of it like, is like anything anyone's ever heard. There's confusion, probably some frustration, maybe even some offense. Like, what is he talking about? What do you mean the poor inherit the kingdom of God? What, what does that even mean? Um, before we jump into this and, and dig a little deeper into this kingdom concept that I believe God wants to shape into our hearts as individuals and more specifically as a community as a whole, because I am convinced that this is what's missing from our world. I've said it before, I believe the church is a sleeping giant. And we look around at the world and we look at the news and, and we struggle to know what to do and how to do it. And the answer is found in us choosing to live the everyday moments of our lives as if our job is to shine the light of heaven into dark places in our world. And instead, we seem sort of helpless. And so as we dive in this morning, I just want to pray. I want to pray back Jesus' words. We pray with me, our Father in heaven. All glory be to your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us as we also have forgiven others. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, number one on your outline, if you're following along, the kingdom comes when we prioritize the weak. God blesses those who are poor. God blesses those who mourn. God blesses those who are humble. So these three phrases are like Jesus' intro to this like first sermon ever, this like the most, one of the most epic messages ever preached. And he begins with like the worst intro ever. Right? An intro is supposed to like pull you in and you're supposed to connect with your audience and make them want to hear what you have to say. Well, his first three lines are like offensive and confusing and make no sense to the culture that he's coming to. None of it. It's like shock value from the very beginning. And for most communicators, they go, whoa, Jesus, like this isn't good. Nobody's going to hear anything you say because you've already offended them. So back up, tell a cute story, make them laugh a little bit, and then get to your point. But he doesn't do that. He dives right in. Because his goal here isn't to make people happy. His goal here is to clarify what matters, what's really important. So he enters right into this, this space and he says, hey, guess what? What I value the, uh, from a kingdom standpoint, it's totally different than everything you've ever heard of your whole life. So buckle your seatbelts, because it's going to get crazy. It's good to be poor. It's better if you're weak. Humble mourning. With these basic statements, Jesus is describing a new kind of value system. The kingdom economy is just not like anything of this world. And my biggest fear is that the church, us, who, who are called to live out this new kingdom economy, have, been, have become so completely regular that there's absolutely nothing inspiring about our lives. There's nothing inspiring about our communities that exist for the restoration of human beings on this earth. And instead, um, one of my favorite artists sings these words, wrote these words, in the economy of mercy, I'm a poor and begging man. And the currency of grace is where my song begins. In the colors of your goodness and the scars that mark your skin, 
The currency of grace is where my song begins. These intro verses to this, this incredible sermon are simply saying, I value different things. My economy is different than yours. What's valuable in your world is not what's valuable in mine. And what you view as invaluable or worthless or meaningless, those are the things that I care about most. Crazy. It's weird. Then, after saying these words, Jesus shows how to do it in Matthew chapter 8. Matthew 8, 1 through 3. Large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. Suddenly, a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy uh, disappeared. The kingdom of heaven was, was manifest when Jesus reached out and touched this man. So it's this incredibly cool moment where Jesus is walking and being followed by tons of people, people all around him. A leper comes up to him, and, and maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but leprosy was an incurable disease that people assumed in those days that people would get because they were somehow like bad individuals. So if there was a really, really bad sinner, they'd probably get leprosy and their limbs start falling off. And it was highly contagious, so they would isolate them like in leper colonies and keep them outside the city. And if a leper came into the city ever, they'd be stoned like immediately because they were terrible, terrible individuals who messed up their own lives somehow. And here's Jesus walking through the city. A leper runs up to him, and his first instinct is to touch him. Like in this moment, the kingdom of heaven shows up. And yet, he heals him, which is really cool, and it's, it's like something we can't do, but connect with this, okay? He didn't just heal him. He touched him in a place that no one else could have. This is what I'm talking about. This is the kingdom concept. It's, it's, it's finding that space between that moment where we connect with another person, see their hurt, see their pain, and don't have pity on them. Pity is not the kingdom. Charity is not the kingdom. Value is. I love you. You matter. You're valuable. And I want to meet you where you need to be met. This is the kingdom. This is what it means to prioritize the weak. And when we do, the kingdom shines. The kingdom shows up. For just a moment, Jesus opened the windows of heaven, and it was on earth as it is in heaven. Number two, the kingdom comes when we stand against injustice. The word justice is a very fluid concept right now in our world. And it would be hard for us to come to a conclusion about what justice really is. That's okay, because God has a different definition of justice, and I want to talk about that real quick. Um, it's not a coincidence here in verse 6 and 7 that justice and mercy are attached in the same, like back to back. It says, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. No coincidence there. These two things, like seemingly at odds, in our world today, but in God's economy, they, they, you can't take them apart from one another. They're, they go hand in hand. Justice is, by definition, seemingly at odds with mercy, right? Here's a definition of it. The administering of deserved punishment or reward. Or reward. That's justice, okay? And now mercy is compassionate or kindly forbearance shown toward an offender, an enemy, or other person in one's power. Do you see it? Do you, do you feel the tension the strain between those two definitions, how do they go together? Getting what you deserve and not getting what you, not getting what you deserve. <laughs> what makes no sense, right? I, I imagine that they were like, what are you talking about? Justice and mercy in the same sentence? This makes no sense. How can we possibly do that? Kingdom justice 
fights for people, whether they are asking for it or not, whether they deserve it or not. Kingdom justice lets go of wrongs done in light of God's infinite mercy for us. Kingdom justice doesn't feel fair because guess what? It's not. And it's a really good thing in light of our epic failure before God. Kingdom justice is recognizing that before God, I'm nothing. I have nothing, and I have nothing to offer. And instead of giving me what I do deserve, death, he gives me life. He gives me hope. He gives me an inheritance. He gives me the kingdom. So we remember, Ephesians 2.12, in those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of God, and you did not know the covenant promises of God. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now, because of God's mercy, this is kingdom justice right here, once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. See, justice is satisfied in Jesus. And as a result, we don't need, justice doesn't have to to, to be the weight that we bear on our shoulders. We get mercy instead. This is kingdom justice. This is what we're being called to live out. And Jesus did it incredibly Well, we get a picture of it in Matthew chapter 8. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. Again, same thing. You're going to see this over and over in the life of Jesus. He would convey a value, and then he'd show people what it actually looks like. I want you to sense this. I want you to to feel the moments. This isn't just an ancient text. This is the power of the kingdom showing up in the most broken places of humanity. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Just imagine, drug out into the streets, probably still naked, afraid for her life. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Notice there's no sign of the man, just the woman. They said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her What do you say? They're trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him, but Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, all right, but let let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. It's an incredible kingdom moment, right? Just like the leper, Jesus saved her life, right? She was dead. She was going to be stoned. That's awesome. That's great. Saving your life is really good. But I bet in that moment, she couldn't wait for that first rock to hit her in the head and put her out of her misery. Standing next to Jesus, who knows what's going through her head? But I promise you, she wasn't thinking that this is how it would end. The kingdom of heaven shows up and not only says you're forgiven, but you're valuable. The kingdom of heaven shows up when we choose to recognize that people matter. And we can be people who shine the light of the kingdom The window of heaven cracks in the midst of everyday life. The glory of God, the hope of salvation, the power of grace, bleeding into the brokenness of life, healing, mending, and restoring on earth as it is in heaven. And that's what it looks like. 
Number three, the kingdom comes when we pursue peace. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called children of God. This aspect of the kingdom is really, really powerful in a world that really is based around relationships, right? Like life, you can't do life without people. And I've often said, life would be so easy without people. And at the same time, life would be really empty and meaningless without people. But relationships are hard. It's really interesting that within this descriptive message on the kingdom, Jesus calls us to be peacemakers. It's not the same as peacekeepers. We all know peacekeepers, right? Maybe you're one of them. That's like avoid conflict at all costs because we want to keep everybody happy. But the truth is, there's no peace in that context, right? That's not what God is calling us to here. That's not what Jesus is saying. It's not keep the peace. It's be a peacemaker. A peacemaker is someone who is seeking daily to make peace through the power of the gospel. Paul describes how Jesus did that for us in Romans chapter 5. And this is much bigger than just earthly relationships. This is relationship between me and God. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. That's mercy, kingdom justice. Undeserved privilege where we now stand. We confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Peace on earth comes when mankind is in right relationship with God. When Jesus is calling us to be peacemakers, it's a direct call back to this kingdom concept we're talking about. We hold this, this, this key to, to peace with God, relationship with the creator. And being a peacemaker means pointing people to that. Because it is in that context, in that relationship, where we find real life, where we find real hope, where we find real purpose. Um, the kingdom shines brightest on earth when we lay down our lives to make peace for others. Peace on earth comes when mankind is in right relationship with him. Jesus made that possible in us so we could point that reality, point out that reality for others. Then the kingdom comes on earth as it is in heaven. Number four, um, the kingdom comes when we lay our lives down for others. Verse 10, God blesses those who are persecuted. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things about you. Maybe you've been there before. Maybe you know how awful that feels. Jesus is say, he's saying, that this is the context the kingdom comes. And, and without sugarcoating it, because I can't, when we choose to live the kingdom, you know what happens to us? To anyone who chooses to live out the values of the kingdom, they get beaten up. They get abused. They get taken advantage of. Because we live in that kind of a world. People aren't looking for opportunities to show somebody, hey, thanks for being kind. No, we live in a world where kindness is returned for like another agenda. People take advantage of us. They hurt us. And so what we do is we get hard and we run away and we say, no, you're not going to do that to me again. Well, the kingdom concept says, for, forget about my own rights. I'm laying my life down because there's something better. Because I believe the kingdom matters more. This is where the, the, this kingdom concept gets really, really dicey and hard, and we just kind of want to opt out. But these, these verses epitomize what God has for all of us and what God did for all of us. And this is where it begins. If we're going to be kingdom people, we must be ready to live lives that are simply not self-seeking. The call of a disciple is to come and to die, to lay it down. There's no way to sugarcoat that. The kingdom shines brightest on earth when we lay our lives down for others for the least deserving, as Jesus did for you and for me on the cross. 
um, we're going to take, like, it's a little bit different this morning. We're going to take a little break. Um, and the communion elements are set up right here. Um, I'm going to read you a verse in a minute, and, and the band's going to come back up, and they're going to just play kind of in the background. But I thought it was, like, a really good time to stop and recognize something. The fact that we can even have this discussion about the kingdom is because of the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. That we were shown mercy. That we were given a place in God's economy. That he's called us to something that's so awesome. And we don't really know it until we experience it, I promise you. Live out some of these things and, and you'll probably get persecuted. You'll probably get beat up. You'll probably get taken advantage of. But when you experience the power of the kingdom in the lives of real people, you understand why we exist. You understand why life is actually worth living. And it's because Jesus imprinted that on our own hearts. We are redeemers. We are restorers. Why? Because we've been given the ministry, the ministry of redemption and restoration. We get to be that in the lives of other people, but only because Jesus did it first. Because he laid his life down for us. Because he told us we were worth it. Because we mattered to him. So I want you to listen to this narrative. This is Jesus um, as he's preparing himself to go pay the ultimate penalty for us, for our sin, for our failure. The ultimate persecution so that we could see life and have life. And so he sits down with those same 12, those same 12, one of whom was about to betray him. We're not going to talk about that today. And he starts in verse 26. He says, as they were eating, Jesus took some of the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this and eat it, for this is my body broken for you. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, Each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Mark my words, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And it's in these moments that Jesus is saying, I want to show you something. I want to show you what the kingdom actually looks like. And I'm going to show you in the most profound way possible. I'm going to give you a front row seat to the ultimate kingdom presence on earth when he would lay his life down to justify the sin of every single human being that's ever walked the planet. Why? So that we could then take that, take that reality, live in it, and then become people who shine the light of the kingdom in the darkest places every chance we get. And he's showing us what that looks like right now. So they're just going to keep on playing. We're not going to sing any songs at the moment. But the stuff is here. There's, um, there's signs that say gluten-free. So if you're not, stay away from that drink and, and that bread over there because we don't want to contaminate it. Um, and the other two on the outsides, those are regular bread. Um, but in, in just a minute, I'm going to walk off. They're going to keep playing. The lights are going to come down a little bit. Not too much, so you can still get around. Um, but when you want to, just come up. And if you don't feel comfortable coming up, just stay where you're at. There's nothing magic about this process of communion. It's simply the opportunity to remember and recognize the power of God's sacrifice on our behalf. And to begin this conversation about living the kingdom in the everyday moments of our lives by recognizing the only reason we even have access to the kingdom is because he gave everything. Because he first loved us. So we're just going to play, and you guys can come up whenever you feel like it.
If you didn't get a chance to make it down, we're going to sing this song in a minute, and you'll have another chance if you want to come. Um, it seemed fitting um, to read John 15, 13. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for a friend. It's the kingdom on earth. We're equipped with everything that we need to live it out. And for what purpose? To what end? Why are we being called to live out the kingdom in a way that's like strange, unique, surprising? It's our truth. The kingdom is nothing like this earth. And number five on your outline is simple. The kingdom comes when we live different. God's desire is that the kingdom of heaven would shine through our lives, that we would be people who, who bring hope and life and value. Last week, I, I challenged us to stop seeing this world as something like that's just going for destruction. It drives me crazy when I hear Christians talk about that because I see a God that has given us a ministry of reconciliation to value this life, to value the people in it. At the very core of our existence, the call of, of the disciple is to say, I want to lay it down for you so that you can experience life. And I'm telling you, friends, there is not a more exciting existence than that. There just isn't. See people come alive. It's the theme of Matthew chapter 5. Jesus is trying to convey a whole different set of values. Why? For what purpose? The beauty of the kingdom happens when we choose to embrace these values and live like Jesus in small, finite moments of life. Hear this. The kingdom doesn't come with grandiose gestures. It doesn't come with loud banging gongs or cymbals. It comes in the stillness of life. It comes when we listen, when we look. It comes when we love and accept, when we give. The kingdom comes when we choose in a moment. We choose in a moment to value the life of another human being simply because they are a human being. When we do that, it, it removes any reason to look at a person and make any judgments about who they are or what they've done. And thank God that he loved us like that. Amen? So the question is then, are we ready? This is different. It stands out. It makes people wonder. This opens the windows of heaven so people can see in, find hope and peace with God. Jesus finishes up his little sermon with these awesome statements. They're the point of all the other verses. Living the kingdom will allow us to be people who represent the heart of God really, really well in a world desperate for his love. So he finishes, he says, these are what I value, and here's why, verse 13. Because you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? I fear all too often that, that the church called to be the salt of the earth to make the gospel taste amazing in the hearts of real people. We've done something totally different than that. We've turned it into something ugly, like a race to see who can be the most righteous or who can be the best. And Jesus is saying, no, you're the salt of the earth. Your job is to make the gospel attractive. He goes on, you're the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. And why? And here it is, verse 16. In the same way, let your good deeds, let your kingdom lifestyle, your compassion for others, your willingness to serve and give and love with reckless abandon, let that stuff 
Shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Our job is to point to him. And the best way we can do that is by living the kingdom, opening a window into heaven and letting people see in a tangible, powerful way. In the same way, let your good deeds shine for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. It's not about being good. This is about the kingdom. This is about becoming people who live the kingdom in real life, showing the world the heart of the Father for his people, for his creation. This is what it's all about. In the kingdom, we are made right, we're made clean, we're made powerful, we're made whole, we're made new. The kingdom of heaven is about seeing people made new in the presence of their God. God is in the business of making things new, people new, in light of the kingdom. Isaiah 43, 19. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. God has given us the kingdom. He has changed us or charged us with the task of living out the kingdom in the everyday moments of our lives. He wants to use you and me to make all things new. Let's sing together.